Welcome to Real Asian Podcast. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> I'm I'm Ray, and I'm joined with Baldwin, Alan, Renee. What's up, y'all? Hey, hey, hey. What's up? Alan is calling in from Tahoe. I think he's on the Tahoe Mountains right now as we speak, yeah. right? Sorry for my audio quality, everyone. Apologize. He's skiing cross-country, guys. If you could only see. <laughs> yeah, like, he's literally he's skiing got... right down as he's recording Exactly. Right so uh, It's a little windy. You're welcome for the dedication. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are doing another listing episode we've uh i I think we've uh enjoyed thoroughly enjoyed these types of episodes and today we are going through our top three most influential api actors and so the reason why we've done we're doing three because we've done five in the past is literally because there's four of us and i was figured there'd be a lot to kind of go through if we did five but the caveat the trade-off was that it made this list even harder to put together between all the actors in, in the industry, past, present, future, uh, metaphorical, metaphysical, it was really hard to put, a, put, put this list together. I mean, I have a huge list. I don't know about you guys, but I listed, I listed a bunch of people that like top of mind, yeah. know, did a little bit of research, and then like just try to boil it down to the three. Anyone else have issues with this? It, it was basically Sophie's choice. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was I, I basically had cruel, to send one of my children do. off to die. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm glad you guys had that experience with me as well. Okay, so here's what we'll do just to kind of give a brief of the format. We're going to go Baldwin, Renee, me, Alan. We're not doing snake draft this time. We're going to go back around to Baldwin and we're listing. We're starting with number three. And of course... Before you start your list, please list your criteria or what encapsulate or what's the characteristic of your list. Shall we? Sweet. Wait. So we're starting off with number three or? Yeah. Yes. Number, start number three. <laughs> okay. three. Three to one. Okay. Okay. So not the top one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Let's begin. Fight. Um, we're going to start with Baldwin. Uh, start with your criteria. And then who's your number three influential API actor? Cool. So first of all, I'd like to reiterate, I think it's blasphemous that we can only choose three actors because that's an impossible and unfair <laughs> snaps, task. Snaps. I agree to Baldwin. Those are the rules. So listen, I must follow listen, them. I don't make the rules, okay? <laughs> you I don't you make literally it. made you... the rules. I know. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I think uh, God came down and placed it in my head. And I said, oh, I guess this is just how it is. It has to be three, you know? So I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Which, which God? Which one? <laughs> of the many. Exactly. All right. Uh, but I chose my my three based on three main criteria. Uh, the first one is body of work. Um, mm. So that's like the movies each one has appeared in and the success that they've had mm-hmm. or their entire career. career. Um, the second one is popularity. How popular did they become and how much the person is liked, um, admired or enjoyed by the general public and in popular culture? And then the last one is the one I put the most weight on um, is how much did they influence API progress in Hollywood? Mm. Uh, so yeah, in, in one way or another, my picks embody sort of a breakthrough uh, where they each like either broke the rules, broke the silence, or broke boundaries to to really show what um, a- API actors are really capable of. So that's my criteria. Um, and then number three for me is Lucy Liu. Mm. Um, nice. Yeah, some people would like initially might debate this pick simply because we haven't seen a lot of her lately and 
she has played a lot of stereotypical roles uh, in the past, but I don't think that that should take away from her impact for Asian women in Hollywood. Um, like she's been an, an actress in some capacity since the 90s. Yeah. And they haven't all been huge roles, but there's something definitely to be said about her longevity in Hollywood. Yeah. And her, I believe her most uh, obvious breakout role, role was in Charlie's Angels. But before that, she had a role in Ally McBeal, uh, where she had a recurring ro- role as a lawyer. She was in Chicago, uh, Kill Bill, yeah. countless action movies, and more recently, she had a starring role for seven years on the TV show Elementary. But I think what makes her so influ- so influential um, is how she really broke a lot of barriers when she just got started. Um, it was the 90s, and at that point, there's really like no room for Asian actresses uh, with large roles in Hollywood. So she faced a lot of struggles, and she was really considered like a black sheep by a lot of her peers. Um, and then even agents were really unsure about having her on the roster because like they didn't really know if she could get any work. Um, and you know, as a young Asian woman trying to carve their path in the world, you can really imagine how out of place she felt being in these casting rooms surrounded by women who looked nothing like her. Another thing was she, she also went on to become the first Asian woman host of SNL. And the second one wouldn't come until 20 years later with Aquafina. So you take all that into account and yeah, you start to realize that it's pretty amazing the trail that she's blazed, um, everything she's accomplished and all of the barriers that she's broken down and um, just her contribution to Asian American community in Hollywood. Absolutely. I, I actually really like your choice. Lucy Liu, I remember coming across her in Ally McBeal, you know, TV show. And, you know, people were either they hated her because they wanted to be her or they were <laughs> in love with her. Like, that's basically all it was. Because, yeah, she did have, like, a super <laughs> stereotypical, not stereotypical, like, racist name almost. It was, like, <laughs> like Ling Wu or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. weird. Like, Ling Lee P or something like that. I right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that's one of the things she was, like, she, like you said, like, breaking barriers and just kind of being able to be there and be present is actually one of the hardest things. Um, so that's, that's a really good choice. Uh, you know, when it comes to like the classical sense, Asian American, I mean, she's, she's born in New York, Jackson Heights yeah, and just, uh, had to pave her own way really and became, you know, really successful. I'm just surprised she hasn't been in a Marvel movie yet. I'm sure it will come. So I'm sure her time's coming. I wonder I wonder if she like didn't want to be in one. It's probably like, I don't know. That's possible too. Okay. Uh Renee, you're number three. All right. Coming in at number three. Man, I have to agree with Baldwin. <laughs> it again yet again, like it is very hard to choose. Yeah. Just your top three. I mean, it's blasphemous. Um, <laughs> it was it's uh, sacrilegious. I mean, like you know, illegal. <laughs> so my criteria, um, great question. My criteria was really just basically they had to have a pretty extensive um, career in cinema, or mm-hmm. even just like. Um, just in front of films, basically. And then also the other thing is like had to have some sort of um, concrete um, impact on the community at large. 
Right. And, you know, that can also be diaspora. I mean, like in the United States, that's basically <laughs> a lot of the Asian experience. And so coming in at number three is so good that she is minted. Anna Mae Wong coming in as oh, yeah. one of the very first. Um, oh, gee. Yes. <laughs> Uh, one of the very first and most influential uh, women um, to actually be minted on a quarter. Uh, so she joins the likes of astronaut Sally Ride and poet Maya Angelou. So they started this uh, American Women Quarters program uh, just earlier this year, January 2022. So I can't wait to get my hands on an any, uh, anime Wong quarter. Mm. And, you know, basically... She is, she's Chinese-American. She was born just outside of Hollywood. Um, um, she was born actually specifically in Los Angeles's Chinatown back in 1905. Um, and so she was in the heart of all of these films, the golden era of films being made. And she really wanted to be in it. She basically begged directors in between classes, please, please give me a role. Um, and so she was being, she was able to be cast as an extra in a 1919 classic film. So she actually started in, um, before the talkies, she actually started in silent films. Um, and this was called oh, Red Lantern. Yeah, and so at the age of nine, at 17 in 1922, that's when she first starred her, a uh, first uh, landed her starring role in the toll of the sea, where she played a character based on. Madam Butterfly. Oh. So it is not to say that she had and her career was riddled with with um you know having to play stereotypical women um and it, or not getting the role at all and instead Hollywood opting for a bigger name and just painting their skin yellow to you know the literal yellow face. And so yeah. when you take into account what all she had to come across uh, you know come up against to be able to even make it um her tenacity her way of being able to in reinvent herself um and being able to hold her own um really shows to for me why i chose anime wong as number three for most influential asian uh actress it's a very good choice very nice she she had to come up in a very hard time. I mean, given the circumstances yeah. and the context of her career during the 60s and 70s, it's like, uh, sorry, not 60s and 70s, like more like 30s and 40s. Yeah, I think it's so like more still racist. black and like white. Right, exactly. The, yeah. the further you go back, the more racist it gets. So even more impressive of her being able to, I think the biggest thing is like she's been, she was able to humanize Chinese Americans on film. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it was actually a tie for me personally. Um, I was between her or Sesue uh, Hayakawa. He is known as the first Hollywood sex symbol. He oh, was yeah. this like mysterious Eastern, you know, foreigner who took your wives <laughs> from you. And so men were jealous of Asian men uh, because this heartthrob was basically making women faint uh, whenever he'd come on, on the screen. And this, again, these are silent films. He didn't even open his mouth for these women to want to spread their legs. Yeah, wow. <laughs> the original Mr. Steal Your Girl. <laughs> yes, the original Mr. Steal Your Girl. That's good. I love that. <laughs> okay, so I'll do my number three, and here's my criteria. 
I like that you guys had categories. I didn't really have categories for me. It was all kind of anecdotal. <laughs> but basically, my list is comprised of artists who've, you know, more or less had prominent careers, very, very prominent careers. They've been able to, you know, stay relevant for, for a long time. So I included in that and having a substantial body of work and have just become a household name. Each of these actors have signature works that cemented their place in movie history. And I think each of these individuals are influential in their own unique way. They have a certain like gravitas about them. They're not controversial or provocative in any way. People tend to generally like them, general public likes them, the the world likes them, and they're really well-respected in the industry. So going into my number three, it's going to be Mr. Cal Penn. Yes. Nice Obviously, he's well known for his character of uh, as Kumar in Harold and Kumar, and also Gogol in The Namesake. His other notable works include American Desi, Malibu's Most Wanted, Van Wilder, and Dude, Where's the Party? And so these roles, or at least these movies that he's in, is definitely anti-model minority myth. So he's taking on these roles that like most people didn't think of Asians would do at the time. And, uh, and he's also had recur- recurring roles in House and uh, House, How I Met Your Mother, great show. Uh, most importantly, Cal Penn has always been one to point out the you know issues with white Hollywood early on. His his real name is actually Cal Penn Modi, but he changed his name to Cal Penn almost as a joke to prove to his friends that anglicizing his name would result in more audi- auditions, which it actually did. And he's been v- very vocal about racial profiling and stereotyping of Asian Americans, and he's also very you know. He's an advocate in terms of uh, diversity hiring and stuff like that in a, in a good way, like making sure Asian Americans are getting respectable roles. But, you know, here's why I think Cal Penn is influential in my book. He's done a lot of work outside of just acting. So he served as the associate director of the White House Office of Public Engagement and Intergovernmental Affairs. Woo! That's a long title. <laughs> Try fitting that in a business card. Where, um, where he served as a liaison with the AAPI community under the Obama administration. So he was also co-chair of Obama's re-election campaign and served on the President's Committee on the Arts and Humanities, where he basically encouraged young people and artists to go register and vote. So very clear that Cal Penn is politically engaged and cares deeply about his community. Uh, he's also fundraised to support Palestinian refugees and Syrian refugees during those crises. So yeah, I think Cal Penn is is well deserving, and you know, I I just recently did a lot of research and interviews of him, and he's just very humble. He's a humble gentleman, and he's kind of been around kind of stealthily, but he's I think he's done done quite well and been very influential in the uh, movie industry that not a not a lot of people know about. I think he's underrated. I like how with with Cal Penn, like. The way I know him is from Harold and Kumar, where he plays this really like raunchy character. Yeah. But then, like in his actual like life, he, like you said, he he's joined, a real professional dude. Yeah, exactly. The 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 committee and like leading that, and then joining the White House and trying to actually make change. And like mm-hmm. like you said, being super humble. He um, there was this story that I found that when he when he was applying for the White House, he applied to the White House on their website. So he didn't because he didn't want to leverage his celebrity status to get a job. And I guess uh, like a couple of years later, he was at an event with the Obamas. And I think it was like right after they finished um, Obama's second re- second campaign. And he was talking to Michelle and she was like, you know, 
stay involved, be in touch and stuff like that. And then and the friend that he was with said, you know, he, he did try to stay involved. He actually applied for a job on the White House website. And Michelle Obama gave him a look like, are you serious? Like, are you <laughs> like, are you like, you know who you are kind of thing. So, um, and it's like, I, you know, he, he learned from that. It's like, even, even though he was trying to be very humble, which, you know, you can say that's very admirable, but he also learned that it, it's more important to also be an advocate for yourself just because he, you know, he wanted to stay involved, but he's, he didn't feel like he should take advantage, but he didn't think he deserved the job in a way, but he did very well in the job. Which is so crazy because you take into account the administration that came right after that, which was all mm-hmm. about nepotism, all about cronyism, who you know. They wouldn't talk about it. It was about America first, Renee. America. <laughs> Meritocracy. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> all righty. Alan, you're number three. Here's my criteria. Uh, one, gut feeling. Two, popular demand. And then three... Uh, gut feeling. And, and I'm taking this approach because the last <laughs> ranking I did was purely based off statistical analysis and like doing a really qu- quantitative approach to getting the answers. And I thought for this type of go around, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to just think about all the Asian actors whom I've watched growing up, who I enjoyed. And I wanted to take a look at that entire list of body of work of all these people. And then think to myself, of these people, which one of the three do I like the most? And I think the reason why is because of what Baldwin Ray said, and you know, this is a disservice to kind of limit it to just three. And so I can't compare them. All I can do is just pick what uh, what my heart says. And so with that being said, here's number three. It is the man, the one and only, the man who doesn't want any trouble, who will kick your ass if you give him trouble, the man who has a dream. So my, that man is Jackie Chan. And I think the reason why he uh, rounds up my top three is because um, not only does he does amazing film in Hong Kong, but he does his own stunts. He sings his own music. Uh, He's, he was kind of the first Asian actor to really bridge other than Bruce Lee to really bridge comedy and action in the American cinema. Mm. And then I'll be honest with you, it kind of, built a really good bond in that early uh, late 90s early 2000s between the african-american community and the asian community i feel like we need we need another rush hour movie to kind of like work on some of those relationships if i'm being honest um and then another part is as long as it's not directed by brett Ratner. (laughs) oh yeah i don't want to go down that path uh the other wait but is it is it chris tucker again and jackie chan or is it are we recasting it no it has to be them again right it has to be those two it's got to be those two it has to be those two again uh another thing too so rush hour resurrections like matrix (laughs) resurrection (laughs) i'd be down for it i would do it uh you know he's also an ambassador for unicef he's also an ambassador for PETA. he does all these humanitarian work irrespective of like some of the personal things he has going on in his life but i think his body of work his um, commitment to film and movie making and the craftsmanship that he brings towards his film, I think he warrants a spot on my top three of API actors. Great choice. It really is. Absolutely. I was hoping like somebody would pick him because like I couldn't do it. Like I already had picked uh, one like martial artist on my list and so i had to leave out i mean yeah, yeah. i knew someone was gonna take yeah, jackie someone Chan. was gonna yeah uh, that was the original chinese action star that i grew up watching mm-hmm. okay well then i have to ask this because it's fairly controversial then were you guys jet lee mm-hmm. fans or jackie chan fans jackie chan fan yeah I was, yeah i was a jackie chan fan 
only because I heard that Jet Li, they, he does his own stunts, but there are some movies where he didn't do his own stunts or he's maybe not as hardcore. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's true, but I heard that that was a rumor. And when someone said that, I was like, oh, then Jackie Chan for sure is better because he does his <laughs> own stunts. Obvious. There's a video I'll share with you guys afterwards, and we can actually post it on our show notes too. There's a YouTube video that breaks down how Jackie Chan uh, uh, mirrors uh, musical rhythms into his fighting choreography so that mm. everything has a a, a a purpose to it and there's timing involved with his uh, martial art choreos and he's a perfectionist when it comes to it and so that's why yeah. i think he outclasses jet lee as a martial artist filmmaker mm. right i mean he's broken every bone in his body at least once um, that's maybe exactly. dedication right there yeah and i think for the reason why i really loved jackie chan is he ha- he actually has like the jackie tam fight team that mm-hmm. where there's a pedigree right like if you come from the fight team and you and you're a fight choreographer there's this aspect of you know it's going to be physical and comedic and like all this other aspects of it and like so i definitely feel like you know just like how bruce lee had his fight team where he was choreography choreography <laughs> whatever when when they were making the fight scenes, choreo- choreography the in oh my god i can't talk you guys um okay choreography but- <laughs> oh no jeez <laughs> okay, okay okay um yeah great <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, okay all ten uh, plus one Alrighty. uh Baldwin, you uh are number two for my number two, I'm going to pick the other half of uh, the Harold and Kumar duo, and that's John Cho. Hell yeah. yeah. Let's Harold go. Kumar. Right. He's the classic Asian-American, right? I mean, he's he's basically Alan pretty much, right? <laughs> Correct. Uh, but <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Uh, that's, a, that's a stretch there. But uh, yeah, I mean, he so he had his big break when he was cast in a minor role in American Pie. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, mm-hmm. but... He was known as the MILF guy yeah. um, in that movie. <laughs> uh, but And then he went on to have a role in Better Luck Tomorrow, a classic for Asian Americans. But his claim to fame is undoubtedly when he starred with Cal Penn in Harold and Kumar, um, Go to White Castle. And that became a huge hit with, like, it spawned several uh, sequels. Um, and then since then, he's been in, like, three Star Trek movies. He's been in Total Recall. And then most recently, he's been in Searching and Cowboy Bebop. So he's had a like pretty hefty career and done a lot of work, but you know why? Why did I choose him on my most influential list? Uh, he was probably the first person I remember I remember seeing on screen in a big Hollywood movie that didn't feel anything like the stereotypical Asians that we saw in movies. Um, I mean, he of course he sort of like played that role in at the beginning of the movie, uh, but only to subvert it later on as the movie progressed and. He was cool, like, in a sense, like, he was relatable, and he really changed my perception of what an, a- what an Asian actor could be in Hollywood and what roles they could get. And he became super popular in culture, and he also became a bit of a, a lightning rod for Asians in Hollywood. Like, I was always anticipating what movies uh, he would come out with next. Yeah. And uh, this is a personal note, but I actually... Uh, met him in person once like super randomly when i was uh like a teenager i was in rodeo rodeo drive in beverly hills and uh i was shopping in this penguin shop and then he like walked in it was crazy you were shopping in beverly hills on rodeo drive 
<laughs> as a teenager? I wasn't actually shopping. Like I was, oh, okay. I was there with my family and we were shopping. When I say shopping in Rodeo Drive, um, as Asians, that basically means like you're just walking with uh, your window shopping. Yeah. <laughs> okay. there you go. I yeah. was like, wait, yeah. Baldwin, you're loaded? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Not me. Um, did you say hi? Did you, did you acknowledge him? Okay, did he acknowledge so you? I, did you tell him about the podcast? <laughs> no, just too early for that. Um, I didn't say hi, but my cousin went and asked to get a picture for with him. Um, so I actually have that on record. I can show you guys later on. But oh. and he was like, "Get the fuck out of here! I'm busy." <laughs> he kind he kind of well, it was weird because like my cousin saw him and then he immediate like my cousin immediately like like looked at him and he walked away to, to us. So like I could tell like John John Cho was like, "Oh God, not again!" God damn, shaking his these Asians. Oh. Yeah, but he was he was cool though. He was he was nice. Uh, he took a picture of my cousin. That's awesome. You, I mean, you said so many amazing things, but really, what it comes down to for me about why I liked your choice is that I don't mind that he's pushing almost fifty. He is daddy. Dude, he's, <laughs> he's almost more 50? than daddy. He's daddy. He, he's daddy. He's daddy. daddy. <laughs> and he, he got ripped. He got ripped up for Cowboy Bebop, man. Yeah. Oh, he's he was really good in it. Oh my gosh! If you guys haven't seen it, you absolutely there are so many. Weebos who are so upset like oh John Cho he's too old to play Spike I'm like shut the fuck up he looks pretty young to me <laughs> he looks pretty young yeah Asians don't raisin exactly <laughs> well speaking of zaddy I'll go into my second you're zaddy too <laughs> I chose the one the only Tony Leung yes and the reason for this is that he's he's just absolutely amazing groundbreaking right he's worked with some of the best directors out there uh please take a listen to our grand Ma- the grandmaster episode um uh to hear me just going on and on about that take a listen to our shang chi episode um mm-hmm. there's two of them again, yet again <laughs> cannot speak enough about how much we love this man what'd you say about his soul again <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not gonna uh, be suck it up like- <laughs> <laughs> so suckers suck oh my time. god <laughs> <laughs> And um, yes, he also is pretty, you know, age-wise. He's actually uh, 59 now, but he is still nice and tight. So, you know. (laughs) Um, One thing, what I thought was really (laughs) interesting about him is that, you know, from... He actually is an international star, but for most of us Asians, um, even though he's never done a Hollywood film, we're familiar with his name. He is a household name in the Asian households. So when he made his debut in Shang-Chi, I think that was really like almost like this cognitive dissonance for, that some people were like, who's this newcomer? And it's like, hold up, put some respect on that name. Mm. Um, and it was interesting because I was reading this beautiful uh, GQ story written uh, where they interviewed him and about how he actually very rarely took any roles that portrayed him as a father only because of his own upbringing where by the time he was, I think, around 11 or so, his dad left his mom um, mm. after, you know, basically for the last and third time. Wow. And that soured his kind of relationship. He became with like life. He became this reclusive person who talked to the mirror. and and Which is really... funny when you think about his portrayal of Wen Wu in Shang-Chi. 
Right. You're like, oh yeah. And it's, and it's really interesting because basically he he actually channels that into his craft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, being he's he's this very quiet, subdued person, and he's very he's actually really really shy, um, and so you kind of see how he uses his pain and to build these beautifully quiet, intense characters, even from just using eyes, his eyes, right? Not even talking, yes. right? So mm-hmm. he's yeah. so, so deep, so amazing. I love watching him um, on screen. Um, just I fucking everyone. I, well, yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. I mean, yes. It, it, even more um, es- established actresses still get flustered when they have to stare deeply into his eyes. Um, so, you know, definitely right. check out any of his works from Rong Kar Wai, um, um, Ang Lee. He is, he's just absolutely amazing. And um, he's Zaddy. You like those shy guys, right? Yeah, I do, apparently. You know, sex, sexy, shy guys. <laughs> yes. It's like, ooh, he's so mysterious. Like, what's he up to? <laughs> okay, yes, I have a type. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tony Long, for sure. I, I knew that he was going to be on this list. Definitely influential, yeah. te- especially on an international stage, right? Tony Long looks like he just rolls out of bed and delivers an, uh, an award-winning performance. That's just the type of actor he is. Absolutely. Well said. Uh oh, that's me. I'm next. Okay, number two. This next individual person is a true gem, not just for Asian people, but I think for the world. And that's going to be Michelle Yeoh, the legend. Nice, hell yeah. My Absolutely. first introduction to Michelle Yeoh was uh, in Police Story Three, and it came out in 1992. But I probably watched it around like 1999, 2000. I remember watching it at a pretty young age, and I just remember thinking. Who is this beautiful, badass lady? Like, Yo has this on-screen presence that is really unrivaled. Like, when it comes to big milestone movies, you know she gets the call. Mm -hmm. Like, she's reached a level to where she can make the movie big versus, you know, rather than the movie making the actor big. That's the type of career that she's been able to accomplish. In total, Michelle Yeoh has appeared in 51 films over her career starting back in 1984. She's been in so many movies that Wikipedia actually had to separate a page for it, especially just specifically just for her filmography. That's that's how long of a list and how long she's been working. And just to name a few, right? Tomorrow Never Dies, the James Bond flick, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Memoirs of a Geisha, The Mummy, Kung Fu Panda, Guardians of the Galaxy, Crazy Rich Asians, and of course, just recently, Shang-Chi. And she's also got everything everywhere all at once coming out. And she's also going to be in the sequel of Avatar, the, the James Cameron Avatar. And um, so, I, I mean, this, this woman is an absolute machine. She's won multiple, multiple awards and honors over her career. And she really is international because she's been honored in multiple countries, such as France, India, Hong Kong, and of course, her home country of Malaysia. Michelle Yo, mm. I love that thing. Oh, I mean, Absolutely. couldn't agree with you more. Like when I think of Michelle Yo, it's like she's the epitome of the, the Asian actress, like brought to you know, into Hollywood to be in all the the, mm-hmm. the important Asian movies over the decades. Like Royal. Yeah, for sure. I, I think one of my favorite uh, anecdotes from her is when she says about how um, when she first met Jackie Chan, he's all like, you don't belong here. And he and she's like, I made him regret saying that by kicking his ass, you know, so I was like, yes, mm. yeah. she does belong here. 
<laughs> she was really amazing, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, oh yeah, so good. What's also most impressive about Michelle Yeoh is is how she's continued to evolve to evolve through each phase of her career. Like she started out as a beauty pageant winner, winner, so she won a beauty pageant. Then a Hong Kong action star, and then she crossed over as an international action star, and now she's kind of become Hollywood royalty. And I think she still has a lot of you know more steps and more runway to go. Like she turned sixty this year, and she doesn't even look a day of sixty, which is Asians don't raise in. But think about how ruthless show business can be for older actors, let alone female actors, let alone older female Asian actors, but she's busted through all of those glass ceilings and um, and able to just stay really prominent throughout her career. And of course, you know, she's added, uh, she has philanthropic uh, background as well. She's done some philanthropic work, becoming a United Nations goodwill ambassador in 2016, uh, basically mobilizing support and advocating for sustainable development goals. So, Definitely one of the most influential figures in the world today, Michelle Yeoh. Annie's Tea Cakes is an Oakland-based food company on a mission to provide plant-based Chinese food options to the world. As a longtime plant-based eater, Annie started this business to create a way for herself and others to enjoy the foods often shared with family but don't fit a plant-based diet. The journey started with vegan Taiwanese pineapple cakes. Follow Annie's Tea Cakes on Instagram or go to annieteacakes.com to place your order today. My second choice is Ming Na Wen because, mm. first of all, she is what I call classic. She is the original Mulan, the best Mulan, the only Mulan. Um, <laughs> she was in the Joy Luck Club, fantastic movie and fantastic role. I think we did a podcast uh, previously that talks in depth about why I am so appreciative of her body of work in that um, uh, in that movie. And she's also now in the Star Wars fucking universe. And I nice. am a huge fucking Star Wars nerd. I... I love her authentic character. I love the way that she is a boss ass bitch, and I know she could kick Boba Fett's ass. Uh, she just, you know, some just chooses to serve him because he saved her life. Spoilers for those who don't watch The Mandalorian, but uh, I think the the ability for her, very similar to Michelle Yeoh, to have variability in her roles all throughout Hollywood shows the breadth and depth of her acting abilities from a dramatic type of role such as Joy Luck Club, which, you know, hopefully there's some type of sequel, but I don't know, that's that's for another conversation. To Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, don't forget she was on that as well. And then also to The Mandalorian, where she could also participate in a fantasy story that, to be frank, every Star Wars universe is very male-dominated. Mm. You know, another thing I really want to talk about is that she is just a huge advocate for asian american uh issues she's constantly talking about it she's constantly fighting for our rights and i think the biggest thing i take away from her role is that um she cares about these things and she wants to be at the forefront of these issues so that she can put the best foot forward very very proud of her work and highly highly deserving of uh my list of top api actors Absolutely. She she tops uh, the rare few who are not only in the Star Wars universe, but also MCU 
Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, props so to her. So basically Disney. Yeah. One, one quick rant too. Like, so like, you know, on Star Wars, on uh, the new sequel, they have Rose, which is the Asian uh, character. And like the white males were just like, oh, like, uh, first of all, she was, Rose is a terrible character. She was written terribly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be honest with you. But like people were <laughs> bashing on her because she was Asian and it just pissed me off. Even now we have... Uh, Fennec, who is played by uh, Ming-Na Wen in Star Wars Universe, and they can't say shit because she is one an amazing actor, and they finally Dave Filoni is uh, and John Favreau writing an actual story that is grounded in real Star Wars mm, lore. Justice. So yeah, <laughs> Ming-Na was, Wen for the win. I was gonna say like exactly whatever what happened to Kelly Marie Chan- Tran was absolutely devastating. I I don't think any actress should ever feel bullied uh, to basically be erased, uh, right? Like you know, can't, I I believe wholeheartedly cancel culture is not real, right? And but also at the same time, what they did was just outright bullying, and they you know to mm-hmm. trying to to silence her. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all righty, Baldwin. Your number numero uno. Number one. <laughs> uh, all right. So my number one, I, I feel like he's probably a number one on a lot of people's list. Uh, it's Bruce Lee. And this is an obvious one. Yeah. Got to. Uh, what? The man, yeah. <laughs> the man, he, he needs no introduction. Like we did a whole episode um, in season one on him. Which was uh, the Be Water, which is a documentary on yeah, Bruce Lee. Yeah, the deep cuts. Yeah, we could honestly like probably do a whole another episode on him and his movies. For me, I just think the fact that he died uh, almost twenty years before I was born, and somehow I grew up idolizing him, um, and I think that goes for so many people. It just shows how big of an impact he had, um, not just on films but on culture in general. Um, and I don't know what your guys' experience with his movies was, but. I watched his old martial arts movies on on VHS uh, growing up, like Fist of Fury, The Big Boss, and Way of the Dragon. I don't what's know if a, you guys remember what's those. What's a VHS? Can you explain that to me? I'm Gen Z, so. Oh, gosh. <laughs> VHS is basically what we uh, used to watch movies mm. back in the 90s. This is a tangible object? <laughs> it's, it's a physical oh, object wow. that you had to buy. And you have to put it into that this actual device, and it'll show up on the TV. <laughs> you gotta put it. You gotta put in the rewinder too. If, yeah. if someone, if no yeah. one rewinds oh, yeah, yeah. it, you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Oh gosh. VHS literally stands for Video Home System. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Okay, so I I went one step further than just watching him on the VHS tape. Um, during the uh, yearly Hmong New Year's, they have like these. Uh, stalls from these basically hawkers if you will that are selling dubbed mm, yes. um, movies and yeah. they dub it so they dubbed Bruce Lee movies into Mong and oh, no. uh, on VHS guys so you know I, I've listened to Bruce Lee uh, wah, wah, in Mong it's still the same though. still the same it's not still the, the same right. yeah, <laughs> that's amazing but we did um, uh, we did what is it top indie films and one of them for me i think it was it was a bruce lee film and so i had asked ray hey can you play a sound bite of alan's <laughs> sound effect oh. of bruce lee for me please so there you go we got that uh, in real quick so <laughs> that's awesome um but yeah i mean i love those movies watching uh or i loved watching those movies growing up and then of course enter the dragon is the one that really took him over the top so to me he was really the first asian um Asian American superstar 
and someone who I really looked up to at a very young age because he was Asian, and that's why I, ha- I have him as my first pick. Uh, Renee, your number one. Okay, my number one. So a little bit more lighthearted, I guess. But um, <laughs> so my number one comes in at Margaret Cho, and the mm. reason why I chose Margaret Cho is because. Not only because of the, the the breadth of work that she's done, she was one of the first, um, you know, uh, Asian comedians uh, at our time. What she did for '90s um, is basically what Ali Wong is doing for the 2020, you know, 2020s mm. Asian, right? Uh, Margaret Cho really set the stage for being able to have um, just like diverse faces on a network t- uh, television, not network television, is it network television? But yeah, television. And, um, you know, a San Francisco native, she grew up, um, um, her parents grew up in San Francisco during the 60s. And as, as Koreans um, in 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 San Francisco, it was very hard at that time, um, especially during the 60s with, um, you know, the uh, segregation and the riots and all this other stuff, right? So I think that was one of the things that was really good is that she she was able to kind of use that uh, to really propel her and her her career. And so you know, not only is the her acting um, really amazing that she you know as comedian has done so much for us, but also especially during the pandemic, she has been one of the most outspoken. Um, persons about uh, you know anti Asian hate and kind of leading that leading the voice in regards to you know fighting against it mm-hmm. um, and so you know not only not only does her work speak for itself and what she's done and how she's helped to kind of be able to make Asian women f- funny right not just your stereotypical dragon lady or f- wilting flower and things like that but mm-hmm. also just literally being funny um she's also helped to be a, an advocate for Asian Americans and and also for anti-Asian hate yeah she's she's definitely pushed the boundaries yeah. and did a lot to change the perceptions of comedians female comedians and then Asian female comedians I, I, she was definitely one of the first Asian, just like Asian women, I guess, but also just like first Asians, really yeah. who really brought uh, mental health, um, ab- uh, substance abuse, all these other things that were pretty taboo. Those topics really to the forefront, um, and so you know, being able to see her kind of grow and understand like she's human and and also really you know successful, and also managed to kind of parlay her her career around some of these challenges that she faced. It's like, you know, like that was something to kind of aspire to. Like I can also be fallible, but also mm. be successful in the entertainment industry as well. So, you know, I, yeah. um, I definitely feel like I, I really appreciate a lot of the work as an ambassador that she's been for like, just like Asian representation in Hollywood and comedy. Uh, really appreciate it. Also, uh, Margaret Cho and I have things in common. We both went to San Francisco State University, so go Gators. Anyways, boom, Uh, (laughs) boom, there we go. We're we're basically friends. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, besties, besties. Like I said, Margaret Cho and I. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, there's no, there's no Ali Wong, and there's no Margaret Cho too. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. All righty, my numero uno, my number one, my number one day one. It's going to be Keanu Reeves. That's yeah. it. I'm done. I don't need to say anything more. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Don't don't but, hurt his dog. 
(laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But seriously, Keanu fucking Reeves. I mean, who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? Perhaps one of the most dominant action film stars in the 90s. Just to name a few of his big films. Devil's Advocate, Constantine, Speed, Point Break. And I think there was this teeny tiny independent film called The Matrix. Never heard of it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it did well or not, but you know, that was his it has something to do with pharmaceuticals, right? <laughs> something like that. And of course, he was also a part of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Keanu did have a, li- a bit of a lull during the mid 2000s, early 2010s, but came roaring back with John Wick in 2004. I mean, the behind the scenes videos of his training and prep. Uh, preparation for John Wick really highlighted his dedication to the craft and just freaking how badass he is. Lastly, I think the reason why I think he's so influential is because the internet loves him. He's part of meme culture. And, you know, we all know that the internet is undefeated, whether in a good way or bad way, but there's all these posts about him being super kind and chill to people that run into him on the streets. So to me, if you have the internet on your side, you're definitely influential. Keanu motherfucking Reeves. <laughs> He's breathtaking. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I love that. I absolutely think that is an amazing choice, Ray. Um, also, another zaddy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, he just is. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason why he had a lull was because he needed to grow the fucking beautiful hair and beard out oh, yeah. the beard yeah <laughs> the beard <laughs> also you know, like his personal story he's gone through tragedy he lost his first uh wife i believe um and she was mm-hmm. pregnant with she was child. pregnant yeah. so he he definitely has gone through it in life and because of that he does a lot of humanitarian work you know keanu is truly a man of the people like there's this rumor that I found, don't know if it's true or not, but he gave a portion of his Matrix earnings to the special effects crews and makeup artists. The amount was like $30 million. This is true. Yeah. yeah. I think the amount is rumored, but it was it was true that he did give up a portion of his uh, earnings to the, to the crew. Wow. And you know, as big of a star he is, I think what makes him really likable is his introvertedness in a way and very introspective. Like if you watch his interviews, especially now, he has this like zen aura around him. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. righty, Alan, number one. <laughs> Why does it sound like you're My having- number one choice. <laughs> Sounds like you're having a hard time. Uh, this man is not afraid to embrace being the heel. This man will call you a jabroni for acting out. He is the multiple <laughs> WWE, WWF, WCW, Royal Rumble, Raw champion, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, the people's champion. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> that man is my number one fucking choice for best, most influential API actors in the goddamn world. He dominated a sport that was very white male heavy and this motherfucking man came in there with a goddamn afro wanted to be like this goody two-shoe if you remember his original story but he said fuck that shit i'm gonna be a goddamn villain in the wwe storyline and he embraced the fuck out of that and he carved his path in an industry that 
never ever saw anything like it he fundamentally changed how world wrestling is viewed he used that as a way to pivot his career into action and on top of that too he's an amazing fucking actor he's actually quite funny and on top of that He's actually very proud of his P.I. heritage, and he is not afraid to front the fuck out of that. And I think if I'm talking or thinking about influential API actors, he is a man that comes in mind because nowhere in the 90s could you go without hearing someone be called a goddamn jabroni and them feeling so attacked that they had no goddamn comeback against that. <laughs> and on top of that, he's the people's champ. He has the people's eyebrow. I can't do yeah, it right he has now. The people's elbow. He has the people's elbow. Hmm. Uh, the rock bottom. Ray and I, we played a lot of WWE. <laughs> we, we, the, we played a lot yeah. of WWE. He was my favorite wrestler. PlayStation. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> this motherfucker was all over. You couldn't go anywhere without seeing The Rock. And he was always present. He fundamentally changed how people viewed P, uh, you know, the Pacific Islander community. He brought them to the forefront, and he is not afraid to continue bringing them along. He is the people's champion, and he's my goddamn champion. <laughs> I love the passion, dude. There it is. Awesome. I yeah. fucking love him. He's I amazing. Say, I will say, in terms of influence, of, of all the people that we just listed off, he's probably the best at social media. Yes. Like if you go on his social media, his influential, like his motivation mm-hmm. Mondays, he's fucking r- always at the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like working out and, you know, he's always giving these inspirational speeches, but definitely, you know, the best at social media and marketing uh, and just jacked AF. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's the only man who has muscles on top of muscles. On muscles? <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll flex and his bicep will also flex to create another <laughs> bicep on top of it. It's <laughs> incredible. It's- it's crazy how he got bigger, like after he left uh, WWE. Like he turned huge. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, he was streamlined for WWE. Now he's like just gigantic. He's a fucking yeah. legend. I will say, like The Rock is probably the most charismatic person I've ever seen or yeah. had. Yes. Um, and for me, like personally, like I I grew up watching WWE, and he was like my favorite wrestler growing mm-hmm. up, bar none. Um, I think like he was actually in some ways like a role model for me because like i always like tried to copy what he did what he said um just like throughout his entire career and it's just amazing to see his progression yeah um from the wwe um to like his one of his first um big movies was the rundown which was amazing and then from there like keep taking it to another level and he's it's like he's not gonna stop like is he gonna become the president next (laughs) people are like writing his name in (laughs) i'm just imagining like a six-year-old baldwin (laughs) just saying like yeah uh you know can you smell what the rock is cooking like that man is the jabroni eating (laughs) pie eating trailblazing eyebrow raising step off the brake put your foot on the gas always ready to whoop some ass the people's champ the rock wow <laughs> he's so oh my god. that was perfect <laughs> oh my god I, I would you can't imagine like me as a kid like me and my brother would play uh wrestling all the time and it was, it was so much fun so many good memories oh my god i love it you guys. i will say also from a film perspective uh even though he's carved his own path and he's kind of made his own way if i had to give some kind of comparison in terms of decades he's kind of like our arnold schwarzenegger how Or arnold schwarzenegger yeah. was yeah. during the 80s 100 yeah. percent, the people's champ 
Let's do notable, quick notable mentions because it was very hard to keep people off this list. Renee, I think you probably should get first pick in terms of who, okay. who like barely didn't make the list. All right. All right. This person barely didn't make it. And the reason is because uh, that I think that I want to be able to put him on there. A notable mention. If Tai Ma is our surrogate father, then James Hong is our surrogate grandfather. Without <laughs> this guy, you wouldn't have any 80s film yeah. <laughs> like with any Asian representation. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and then how he paved the way to basically bring in like um, Asian men that didn't have like the stereotypical kind of um, docile, like, you know, feel that wasn't a martial artist right like so james hong thank you so much for all your contributions i think he's still alive so i mean that's not a memorial (laughs) but but yes our surrogate grandfather for me i think if i had to have if i could put a four sandra O would have been my number Mm. four yeah i was gonna say that's that was literally my choice yeah sandra O. it was so uh you know if we do this again I think she's going to be on my list. It's not to say too that she, it's not like she hasn't had a long career because she's definitely had a long, long career. Just compared to the people that I put on my list, like she just barely didn't make it. But in terms of influential, definitely she's she's definitely our generation's uh, voice, uh, multiple generations. Like she's mentored a lot of young actors. She's obviously royalty, and she's very vocal uh, in terms of. Um, uh, anti-Asian hate and all that stuff and very ad, ad, an advocate for Asian issues. She's just very grateful to be Asian, guys. Yes. Yeah, I yes. love that and shirt. And I have that shirt too. Yep. So, yeah, Sandra O. Oh, that would have been my other one. Yes. Sweet. Um, for me, I think um, my honorable mention and the only reason he isn't on my list is because like he's relatively new to the to the space is uh, Stephen Yun. Mm. Oh my God, that was um, my next choice. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's an obvious one too, right? Sorry, Ellen. Um, but he's he's I th- I feel like he's the next um you know generation of Asian American actors mm-hmm. to really uh take take Asian American actors to the next level where they're normalizing Asian Americans in like American roles. Um and he's done that throughout his career. Um starting off with well. exactly starting off with uh The Walking Dead and then um is I think is um like he was in Sorry to Bother You, he was amazing in that. Um, and then more more recently, Minari, where he finally got some like accolades and really got to show his his depth as an actor. So Steven Yeun for sure. You're right. Like a huge talent. He just doesn't have the body of work quite yet, but for sure, like he's not in a lot of films. But the thing about it, and I'm gonna take Pragya's take, is that he's very intentional with the films. Like every role he he, every role that he does do in a film, it's like very intentional. It's like something that he really, you can tell that he really wants to do, puts all his effort into it. Yeah. I guess if, since I can't pick those, I mean, I could, but I'm just going to pick someone else. I'll say Ken Wantabe. Oh. Well, I'm fucking his name up. Ken Wantabe. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think it's because one film that actually really brought him to the limelight was The Last Samurai. But of course, like that was like highlighting yeah. Tom Cruise's white ass in fucking Japan. I know. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I was like, what? But I think, I think, I, I think one reason why I uh, why he could be on the list if I were to redo it is because his body work is actually quite extensive. Yeah, it's just that we in American audiences don't have the wherewithal to understand the other films that he makes, and he's actually a really fantastic actor. He's really good at uh, uh, has that visceral lull, sex 
my name is Ken. What you know, like he has that visceral, <laughs> like sexiness voice. Um, and he was also in Inception. He, he played a really great role in Inception. Um, and uh, I think that he's a fantastic actor. I think it's just that if I were to pit him up against the top three, it's just that um, if we're talking about worldwide recognition, I think the top other three that I've mentioned kind of outcompete him. But I will more than willing put up his acting chops against any of the other ones because i think he's an amazing amazing actor Mm. absolutely i mean it was interesting how he made his splash in the u.s um because he was already a well-established actor in japan Japan. yeah (laughs) you know and so you know last geisha which is also problematic but you know and then uh but he he had some of the best lines Uh, he was in godzilla i mean he just was in these all of these like american films and but he already is just like this amazing, super gravelly voice, just intense and sultry, like classically trained kind of actor. He's just mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. He was really good in Letters of Iwo Jima as well. That was an another amazing yeah. film that oh, I watched. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. been a while since I remembered it, but he's fucking incredible. And another name I'll throw out there: Daniel Day Kim. Oh, yeah. damn. Oh, sexy, I know. That sexy was like my honorable man. mention. Yeah. He was on the list too. He's so good. Very good. I mean, Hawaii Five-0, of course. You know, he, he definitely filled that role. But I think also primarily is because he's very vocal in the Asian-American space. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Especially lately, yeah. Yeah. What, he was in Lost as well. And one of I the things that Lost. I love about Daniel Day Kim is that when he realized, not realized, but when he when he got to the point where he, he had good enough status, he basically fought for to have equal pay mm-hmm. than his white counterparts and they wouldn't yeah. give it to him. So like, basically he's like, well, fuck it. Now Daniel Day Kim is an amazing producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's looking to fund Asian, um, Asian written, Asian directed films. So, you know, he's been really um, influential and in Cape, which yeah. is like a, the Asian Pacific coalition for like um, film and then also he does an amazing narrative work for like Asian American documentary that's on PBS. So check that out too. Daniel Day Kim. Zaddy number two. Zaddy. <laughs> There's a lot Zaddy. of zaddies and beautiful women are on our list. <laughs> I would say also, you know, I would also throw in there. Sorry, one more name. I'm just like, it's all coming to me. I would throw in Kelly Marie Tran too, because the way that she kind of... S- Re- rebounded from the Star Wars yeah. Yeah, yeah, from sure. coming back from and how Hawaii. she handled that situation and handled yeah. that situation really well yeah I think she definitely has an, an influence for young female actors but also just young people in general not just female about standing up to bullies especially to cyberbullying mm. so yeah. I would throw Kelly Marie Tran in there too mm-hmm. and I don't know if you'd agree with this name but I I really was was thinking about this one too Randall Park I think oh, so yeah. someone yeah. who's been great comedian he's been working it for a while he, he also even taught like uh asian american studies at usc right, <laughs> you know right, like so right. he's like very well versed and and smart but and and but also he he's a rapper he can throw down he's got bars <laughs> y'all i mean like look it up and uh yeah you know also same thing like if margaret cho wasn't there to kind of pave the way for television um families like there would be no randall park right yeah. fresh off the boat there would be no constance Wu. there would be no alan yang yeah. and things like that yeah mm-hmm. can i belabor this or i don't squeeze in one more i can't i'm 
Mitty Kaling. Mm, yeah, How do Mindy we forget Kaling. to? Yeah, so I would add her in there. She's amazing in the office. She is amazing director for the new show Never Have I Ever. Yeah. If you haven't watched it yet, get your ass on Netflix and fucking watch that. Get your show. ass into nature. Get your ass into nature <laughs> for sure. And watch that show. I smell what the rock is cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, that's gonna conclude today's episode. Thank you all again for jumping on the pod. Tune in next time for another episode of Real Asian Podcast. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Keep it real. Keep it real.